Welcome back to the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. If you listened to the previous episode of the podcast, I went through the causes of fatigue generally and chronic fatigue specifically. And it was a fairly substantial episode. I think I spoke for about 30 minutes talking through all the possible things that could be contributing to fatigue. And so today I want to answer the question you were probably asking as you were listening to that episode, which is, how do I know if these things are a problem for me? And so what I'd like to talk about today is what testing you may want to explore, investigate, ask your doctor to run, or if you're working with a functional medicine practitioner or nutritional therapist like myself, what do you want to maybe ask them about or ask them to help you with? So what I'm going to do is just kind of run through the various tests in terms of how I do this in my practice. Different practitioners may have different perspectives. They may do things differently, but this is just a framework for how I work. And also if that is something that you'd like to do, if you'd like to work with me, you could also understand how we would work together to explore some of these options. So Where I like to start um, is to get like a general big picture. Usually by the time clients come to me, they've been to the doctor, they've had some blood work done, they've been told everything is normal or there's just one or two things which are out of balance, um, but nothing that's really helping them to move forward. But if that hasn't been done, if they haven't had any recent blood work done, then I do like to get some updated blood work just to kind of get a set, um, get a sense of the lay of the land and what's possibly going on. So I personally really like the Well Woman um, panel by MediChecks. It's just a nice all-inclusive panel. It has some of the elements that um, I want to see as I'm starting to work with a client. Specifically, that's things like vitamin D, the reactive protein. It includes a complete blood count, which would then give me a sense of what is this person's red blood cell health like? Are they oxygenating adequately? And do we need to support them with nutrients for oxygenation? It also looks at elements relating to the immune system, like the white blood cell count, the neutrophils, the lymphocytes, um, the basophils, the monocytes, the eosinophils. So these are all immune molecules, which can tell us if the immune system is maybe a little bit active. I also want to see an iron panel, including ferritin. So some of my clients will have low iron and some of my clients will have very high iron. And so if there's low iron, that's something we definitely want to support. And the tricky thing with iron is the reference range is so big. So I think it's something from like 9 to 110. And, um, you know, if as long as someone's in the reference range, they're deemed to be healthy. But really we want to see clients with fatigue around about the middle of the reference range so at about 50. Um, But high iron can be a problem as well um, because high iron can be a source of oxidative stress and damage on the body. So if iron is high, we want to think about, well, why is iron high and how do we support the body to get uh, those iron levels down, which might be reducing inflammation and also vitamin and mineral cofactors as well. 
Um, so what I usually do when I get the blood work from my clients is there is a fantastic book called Blood Chemistry and CBC Analysis by Weatherby and Ferguson, and they have functional reference ranges. So what this means is that when you get a blood panel done through your GP and they have their set reference ranges, those reference ranges are there to diagnose disease. So they are looking for imbalances that have become so great that the body is now in a diseased state. But a narrower set of reference ranges, which we, which I'll refer to as functional reference ranges, functional reference ranges are not necessarily looking for disease. They're looking for imbalance with the idea being that if the reference ranges are narrower, we can catch an imbalance before it spills all the way over into a diseased state. So when I'm analyzing blood work for my clients, I'm looking at through the lens of the functional reference ranges which often means that we catch things that have fallen through the cracks in the traditional reference ranges. And so often I'll find um, suboptimal oxygenation, often we'll see increased or um, increased white blood cell count or maybe a low white blood cell count, elevated neutrophils, suppressed lymphocytes, which are a sign that there's some sort of chronic infection going on. This is very common in my chronic fatigue clients. And so that's always in a little clue to suggest, okay, what could possibly be triggering this immune system? As I spoke about in the previous episode where I touched on the cell danger response, if the cells of the body still perceive that there is a threat or a danger, that's really going to limit optimal energy production. So if we're seeing clues in the complete blood count that the immune system is a little bit active, we really want to start to understand why that would be and work towards addressing it. And then that can inform alongside the patient's case history, where we go next in terms of other testing options. The Well Woman panel by Medichex also includes your thyroid and markers, so TSH, T4, T3. If someone is showing up with a thyroid imbalance, I do like to also test maybe reverse T3 or thyroid antibodies, and Medichex do a panel as well. If we're looking at um, sex hormones, then we may want to do something like a day 21 progesterone. We may want to do testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, estrogen, FSH, LH. All of those can be done in blood. Your doctor may be able to do them for you, or you can use a company like Medichex. If we want to dig a little bit deeper into sex hormones, then my favorite functional test is the Dutch Complete Hormones, which looks at progesterone, testosterone, estrogen, but it also looks at their metabolites, so how they're getting broken down and detoxified in the body. And it also has an adrenal profile as well, which can sometimes be useful. Um, additionally, what I really like about the Dutch Complete Hormones is they've got a little section at the end which includes organic acids. So it can tell us about the need for B12 and it can tell us about the need for B6. 
And so when we do a complete blood count, and if there's anything that's showing up um, in the complete blood count that may suggest oxygenation is an issue, we know that um, good oxygenation requires adequate iron, B12, folate, and B6. So we can rule iron in or out using an iron panel, but it's difficult then to say, does somebody need B12 or B6 or folate or one of them or two of them or all of them. So when we do the organic acids piece in the Dutch hormones test, it helps us know at least for B12 and B6, um, whether those are required or not. The only thing it doesn't cover is folate. So then that's a nice segue into the next piece, which is diving deeper and starting to understand what other nutrient deficiencies may be um, present and how do we support the body with those. So my big favorite test for nutrient deficiencies is going to be the Nutrival, which is a blood and urine test together offered by Genova Diagnostic. It's quite a big test. It's very comprehensive. It's um, also not cheap. Um, I offer it to my clients at the trade price, which is about 500 pounds, um, but you could expect to pay up to about 700 pounds for a test like this. So I offer the savings to my clients and this will give you a full organic acids profile. So your organic acids test will tell you about different things that are happening in the body. It can give clues to what's happening in the gut. It can give clues to what's happening with the mitochondria and energy production. It can look at neurotransmitters. It can look at branch chain amino acid metabolism, and it can look at um, detoxification. So why this is very useful is because what it tells us is it tells us about the functional need for certain nutrients. And so if you do a Medichex panel, for example, you'll get a serum folate, serum B12 and serum magnesium marker. But all those markers are really telling us is how much is in the blood at that moment in time that the test was taken. It's not necessarily giving information about how much is getting into the cells and how it's being used within the cells. And so that information is what we would get from a Nutrival or an organic acids test. Because really, we're probably only going to start to see changes in serum folate or serum B12 or serum magnesium when the body is extremely depleted. We can catch deficiencies earlier if we're using a more advanced panel like a Nutrival or just the organic acids component. That will tell us also about methylation. It will also tell us about vitamin D. That can be helpful to determine if any poor oxygenation is due to the need for folate as well. So I really like the Nutrival. It will also give you a fatty acid profile. So this will tell you about um, if you've got a good balance of omega-3 or omega-6 in your cells. And usually all my clients are a little bit imbalanced here when we run the Nutrival test. So the next thing we want to think about is blood sugar. So blood sugar, if you're just running a basic blood test, you'll get your HbA1c, which is an indicator of your average blood sugar um, across 
a three-month period. Um, and that can be helpful. Um, it's definitely helpful when I see that someone's HB1AC is out of range, but it doesn't necessarily always accurately reflect the optimal blood sugar balance and account for highs and lows that someone may be experiencing day in or day out. So if somebody has a very high blood sugar, but also has a tendency to drop to very low blood sugar, so they're experiencing peaks and troughs in blood sugar, HB1AC is the average. So the average of something very big and something very small is something that's medium. And that means that you may actually on paper look like you've got optimal blood sugar balance, but there's an issue with blood sugar swinging from high to low throughout the day, which isn't being captured. Additionally, if you're just getting a fasting blood glucose measure, when you're fasted, your blood glucose is always going to look the absolute best it will look all day long. But what we really want to see is how is your blood sugar responding to the foods that you're choosing to eat. And therefore, I like to get people testing their blood sugar around meal times. So you can do that with a finger prick blood sugar monitor, or you can do that with a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, which is a little patch that you put on your arm. And it connects to an app and then you can always tap your phone to the patch on your arm and get an indicator of what your blood sugar is doing at any moment in time. So those can be much more useful tools when your blood sugar markers kind of look normal on paper, but we're digging a little bit deeper and we're starting to really see what's going on under the hood. So then the next thing we might want to consider is a stool test to assess for gut dysfunction. This is something I do with most of my clients. And the stool test that I like is the GIFX comprehensive stool analysis, which is available through Genova Diagnostic. I do believe that you have to work with a practitioner to run the GIFX. There are other stool tests out there, but um, the GI fix is the one that I use the most and I'm the most familiar with. Then um, the next thing maybe to consider, if you suspect that mold exposure could be a cause of your fatigue symptoms, um, a mycotoxin test can be another useful test. I like the Mycotox panel by Great Plains Laboratory, which is available here in the UK through Regenerous. I think, again, here you need to work with the practitioner to order that test. And it's also in terms of getting an accurate result, maybe a week before taking the test, which is a urine test, to make sure that you avoid high mold foods, so foods that could con possibly be contaminated with mold spores like grains, coffee, chocolate, um, mushrooms, things like that. So really just eating a very clean diet, meat, fresh veg, good fats for a week before taking the test. Then there's a couple of other ones I just wanted to mention. I don't use these as often, but just so you know the sources, if it's a, of interest to you, so if food sensitivities are a concern for you, then it's worth doing the Cyrex panel. And um, Cyrex is also great for anybody who's got autoimmunity. It can test for things like celiac disease um, or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. The Cyrex tests are great for looking for um, antibodies to chemicals, antibodies to certain pathogens. So they offer a whole range of different tests. I must say that I 
don't often use their tests, but when I've got a client who specifically needs to do something uh, relating to the immune system, food sensitivities, gluten sensitivity, any kind of autoimmune thing going on, um, then I will use the Cyrex tests and they're my tests of choice. And then the final thing I talked about in the previous episode was um, this idea of infections, which could be bacterial infections or viral infections. And I would say that usually by the time a client comes to me, their doctor has always already screened them for Lyme disease, for EBV, um, cytomegalovirus, toxoplasma. So these infections usually have already been tested for. So it's not typically tests that I would tend to run with clients. Um, but maybe if you're already just starting out and embarking on this journey, then you can have a conversation with your doctor about the various viral and bacteria that um, you could maybe test for together or a referral to get tested if your doctor feels that it's appropriate. So that's quite a lot of tests. I would definitely always start with a blood test just to address the low-hanging fruit, as I like to call it, and get a sense of where you want to go next with your testing. When I work with clients, we'll do a full case history, and usually from that, it starts to become quite obvious what would be beneficial to the client. And most often, we will end up doing a blood test, a stool test, maybe a neutrophil or organic acids, and then mycotoxins if it's appropriate for the case history and the symptoms, and maybe a Dutch test if hormone imbalances are of concern to the clients. So that is everything I wanted to share with you today. I hope you have enjoyed learning a little bit more about testing. If you have any further questions, you can feel free to reach out to me on social media or take a look around my website and I will see you again in the next episode.